1: FlushCare.com slash weight loss.
2: You're listening to Justice, a podcast series exploring all aspects of the criminal justice system with me, prison philanthropist and founder of One Small Thing, Edwina Grobner. In this episode, I talked to Zoe, a former prison officer in the female estate, and Nadia, who served a five-year prison sentence. They joined me to share their experiences of how women spend the festive season in prison, and the impact of being away from home and separated from family
3: and friends. My name's Zoe Thomas, and I worked um, for five years in female estate as an officer. I've recently left and now working um, with young people who have got substance concerns.
4: Hello, I'm Nadia. I did a five-year EPP sentence in prison. So Zoe, how many years did you say you served as a
2: prison officer?
3: So I was a prison officer for five years. Three of those years I was a specialist officer in a the therapeutic community.
2: And what made you want to become a prison officer? Were you a sort of young girl thinking there's all these things I could do and and actually what I want to become is a prison officer? What was it?
3: I wasn't particularly a young girl. I was nearly 30 um, and had been navigating my way through life as a young single parent and wanted something that was quite secure. So the Prison service looks easier to get into than the police. The money was quite good. Um, they spoke highly about flexible hours. So um, I actually just applied one day, not thinking anything of it. So it wasn't a long-driven, I want to be a prison officer. Actually, the only interaction I'd ever had with a prison officer is two doors down from where I grew up as a child, there was a young man who had worked in a young offender's um, big burly man who um, I remember having quite a lot of periods of time off because he had experienced some um, horrendous things and witnessed horrendous things. So on reflection, I'm not quite sure why I still ended up looking into it. And so five
2: years, you must have been working around Christmas time or potentially even on Christmas Day. Can you paint a picture for our listeners? You know, prisons are things that people talk about a lot and have opinions on and very few people have been inside them. And so can you paint a picture as to what sort of that build up to Christmas is like inside a prison from from your point of view as a, as a staff member?
3: Yeah, so I worked um, every Christmas day bar one, which I worked on a boxing day, and I enjoyed working in the morning on Christmas day. Um, I found it was the time that women were most interactive and out and about and sort of Christmas day everyone sort of went back into their rooms to have some time to really think. So I enjoyed working Christmas Day morning. The build-up varied. The thing about the prison I worked at, we had some things, competitions, and the women organised a lot of their own activities. Um, For example, the women used to be able to decorate their particular landing And then the governor would come round and it would be like a competition and a landing would win and maybe get some little prizes. But ultimately, a lot of the women who were living there sorted out their own activities for each other over the festive period. And we were just called on as and when needed to facilitate anything else.
2: Yeah. And Nadia, from your point of view, is um, sort of from a different perspective, I guess, the fact that you were serving time over Christmas. Um, What was it like for you, that build up to Christmas Day and then Christmas Day itself, is it just like any other day? Or as sort of Zoe was saying, do you get involved in decorating the wing and
4: and can it provide a little bit of joy? The first Christmas I was in prison, I was actually on basic. So they take your telly away from you and you're only allowed to associate for half an hour.
2: Okay, so you weren't allowed out very much.
4: Well, the other prisoners on the landing uh, told the officers to stop being mean and to let me out. So they let me out and they said, um, you can't get involved with the competitions and stuff like that. So they had this competition where each landon or each person on a landing has to decorate this um, wooden hand. And I one of the girls passed me one and I decorated one in secret and then and then put it obviously in the competition, and the hands that I had decorated won. The CM that was obviously organising the prizes didn't realise that I was on basic, so he handed me all the chocolate and all that. And I knew that the, the officers on the wing would be angry, so what I did was I shared the chocolate out between all the other girls. And then did you get into trouble in the end? Uh, yeah, I did. They kept me behind my door, yeah. For how much longer? The thing with Christmas is you still have to be locked in early. So I think, I'm not sure, I can't really remember the timescales, but I think it was about three o'clock or four o'clock that everyone was locked in anyway. So with um, Boxing Day, I was behind my door for the whole day. It's kind of like a punishment for out chocolate I shouldn't have had. You know, the thing is, it was my first time in prison and to be honest, my mentality then was I would do everything in my power to annoy the officers and to like get t- tiny little bit extras. Do you get what I mean? It's it's just a bar of chocolate, but that you know particular time the officers that were in charge or whatever, they they weren't the nicest. My natural, I, I don't know if it's like that with everyone, but my natural instinct is to really annoy that person. And Zoe, from the
2: officer point of view, did you see that as well? I mean, every prison is different. Every prison has its own sort of different culture and then lots of different cultures even within one prison. So, did you find that some people were really into Christmas and they wanted to make it the best that they could for the women, knowing that people were separated from family members and children and then there were other officers that basically were just there to cause trouble?
3: Yeah, so where I was at recently, over the last probably about three years, they have allowed women who are on basic and CC, cellular confinement, to come out for a period of time on Christmas Day and return their tellies. Um but this always is sort of gifted to the women with comments of, oh, you're lucky you're getting this. Um, so a sort of emotional, like sort of black matter degree, if you misbehave. Sorry, they get given
2: a television for Christmas Day, do you mean?
3: So, yeah, if they've had their telly removed due to being on basic regime, they're given their telly back. But as they're handed it back, things are said along the lines of, if you start messing around or misbehave, we'll take this straight off you and you'll be behind your door for the day. Um, so it's always sort of given with a clause. And I think the difficult time uh, about Christmas is that obviously staffing within the prison system is average at best, maybe. It's sometimes really poor. People take um, leave. People become unwell. Family members come unwell. So sometimes it can be skeleton staff. And if you've got staff working on Christmas that don't want to be there, they, they normally make it known they don't want to be there so they will do things such as um, say, well, I'm going home to my family now or um, I'm getting to go home and I'm going to have this big dinner and um, have this drink. And that can be quite disheartening. Whereas I think that the staff that want to be there make make an effort. I always went in in a um, Christmas jumper and antlers and things like that and sort of just waking up the women and going down and unlocking doors. Because I think it's, They like to spend time with each other from as early on as they could. Right.
2: And Nadia,
3: did you find
2: the sort of run up to Christmas a bit like, oh God, you know, we put so much on this day and you know that everyone outside is sort of doing things. How did it make you feel
4: psychologically and being separated from your family? It's a natural feeling, you know, to feel feel lonely when the rest of your family are celebrating Christmas and you have you know a small child out there that is opening their presents and you don't get to see the look on their face when they open a present you know these the these are all natural feelings that i think you know every woman would have but they you know this the, this was later on in my um sentence that obviously i'd gone to a prison and you know the the officers were completely different and to begin with, I didn't really like it, you know, because I wasn't used to it. I was just obviously used to officers, you know, doing the whole us and them thing, where the officer is there just simply to punish you. You have to follow the rules. They they don't have to explain the rules to you either, because they're because they're officers. But then later on, um, in my sentence, when I had gone to a prison where the officers are making an effort to make you happy and they actually want to listen to you as well and they don't just see outbursts of anger as you playing up they actually ask why are you behaving like this what what is wrong and I wasn't actually used to that you know and the thing is a lot of the a lot of the officers in this particular prison did really really did make an effort but you know, there were times where they were just completely exhausted and you can see that they're exhausted. Do you get what I mean? And I think it was because they showed a certain amount of compassion towards us. You know, we, we could see, you know, when they weren't 100%. But say if you're in a prison where, you know, they don't, they don't show you any kind of humanity, you don't see when they've had a terrible day you know, you don't pick up on these cues.
2: Exactly, because
4: I guess it's, yes, you're in prison
2: around Christmas, but then the people who have to work, you know, prisons can't be left completely unstaffed, can they? So you're kind of doing that together. I know they get to go home, so it is different. But Zoe, did you um, find that the women in general, there'd be an increase in sort of things like self-harm or, you know, would... Would things kick off a little bit more around Christmas or or what was the general kind of feeling around?
3: I think maybe on the build up to Christmas and just after, there were lots of gripes that made it a difficult time. I remember um, I don't know how you what you thought about it, Nadia, but um, family day on the on the lead up to Christmas was always a really emotive day. So there was a special day set up where they'd have a member of staff dre- decorate as, um, dress up as Father Christmas and come in, um, which was great. But sadly, that day was always at the beginning of December, on a school day normally, when children weren't able to get out of school. So um, lots of families and children weren't able to make it in. So that used to cause a lot of anger and hostility because... The women were wanting to spend a full day with their children, but unable to due to work commitments. Sorry to interrupt here, Zoe, but why would they do it on a day when the kids are in school? I think because um, of staffing and nearer the school holidays. They just, they maybe won't be able to facilitate it or... They didn't want to facilitate it then. Yeah, so loads of people struggled because they couldn't get their children into the prison to come and spend that day with them. That's a full day as well. It's like 10 till 4. Yeah, so that causes real anger and hostility. And then I think as that subsides and the women, um, especially the especially the younger women who have got really long sentences, they um, really try and make Christmas something special for them, you know. So they will decorate the wings and make presents and wrap bits up. So then that sort of high comes in and everyone gets a bit excited and planning nice food and cooking and bits like that and sharing gifts. And then it is Boxing Day onwards um, that people then start to feel the low mood again because the reality is they're missing. They're missing them children open their faces as they open gifts. They're missing You know, the tucking them into bed and being excited for Father Christmas and the transition into a new year and a fresh start. Um, So I think that Christmas Eve and Christmas Day were normally, touch wood because I do worry this year, but they were normally good days to be working because the women were in good spirits. But it's really challenging the other days around Christmas, I think.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned um, the food, and it might sound like a stupid thing to ask, Nadia, but what was the Christmas food like in in prison? Was it better than the normal food on other days? A lot of it isn't actually that memorable. Well, that speaks volumes.
3: (laughs) Do you remember the papers last year? And They all came in and they had big pictures of, like, roasted turkeys and loads of veg in bowls all over the table and the papers saying about how... This is what people in prison are eating this Christmas. while are uh, people on the streets aren't eating? That's what they call fake news. Some yeah. papers.
2: <laughs> and Nadia, do you have children? Yeah, I have a daughter. How old is she? She's eight. Okay, so Christmas time for you, you really
4: felt that separation. For me, in in prison, I, I blocked out a lot of emotions. I don't really have any memories of distress or anything like that. But I think it's because I learned to block it out.
2: Yeah, and that doesn't sound strange at all. In fact, it sounds completely normal. And um, what so many people do in order to survive it, isn't it? You know, um, it's sometimes easier not to feel and it's sometimes better not to feel. Did you see a lot of that, Zoe, sort of some people shutting down in order to su- to survive and then other people being outwardly either chaotic or violent?
3: Yeah, I think that some women actually chose not to contact their family for a period of time over Christmas, you know, even if it was two or three days, because the pain of ringing home and hearing all the festivities and families giggling and sort of passing the phone around was was too much to bear so they chose not to ring home and so much disassociation going on that actually it's really damaging long term but is a coping technique survival technique for women especially if they've been given long sentences and that's how it needs to be for the next few years whereas Yeah, other women would shut their doors. They wouldn't want to be part of any festivities. They would get quite angry about people that were celebrating Christmas or not outwardly grieving their children. Um, There wasn't really violence against each other, but the women were extremely violent towards themselves. And and secret self-harm, I think, went on over Christmas periods, people struggling. Um, Yeah, so I think that that was more apparent over those those periods.
2: This year um, at One Small Thing in conjunction with lots of other women's centres and women's organisations we have altogether been putting together distraction packs to send to women in prison to say happy Christmas to remind them that people on the outside are thinking about them and you know so distraction packs with sort of things in them um, did you ever see that happen before do you think that's useful do you think that's welcomed
3: Um, Yeah, I think a lot of that has happened over, like, obviously this year being COVID. I think the prisons um, and the women in the prisons have tried to set up a lot of distraction packs and bits for themselves. Sadly, there hasn't been extra budget for that, you know, so the women have had to um, try and find ways to produce those things themselves on computers or with the help of staff. Each year where um, I worked, the chapel would drop off little gift bags on the doors on Christmas Eve the officers would go around and put these out and they were quite cute they just had like little calendars or smellies in I think they were various weren't they Nadia but they were quite sweet like to open in the morning I really looked forward to that <laughs> they were lovely and I think it's lovely for the women to receive anything but at times like Christmas where emotions are high and you're literally trying to survive minute by minute with the stress and the grief and the pain you're feeling. Um there's only so much that distraction techniques can work. But I think it must be lovely for the women to know they are in people's thoughts.
2: Yeah. Does that help, Nadia? Or again, are you just like, do you know what it's also painful? Block it out. That's how you deal with it. Or as you said, you quite like the little bag being left outside your door? Is it nice every now and again to think that people outside haven't forgot women in prison and actually there's a lot of people outside that do care or is that something we all think is really nice to make ourselves feel better on the outside?
4: <laughs> if I'm being honest, it wasn't till recently that I, I knew how much people outside care about prisoners. I always got the impression that say the public or even even you know my my family members you know prisoners there to punish you say with my family it wasn't they didn't change their opinion until I did my prison sentence and then they realized that uh, rehabilitation works better than punishment yeah and as so many people
2: forget the sentence is punishment, which is the loss of liberty, and it's not then about heaping on more punishment on top of that sentence and that loss
4: of liberty, um, which I think people forget a lot of the time. To be honest, when you're living in those conditions... you you do naturally think that nobody cares and you deserve to be there. Absolutely. And the amount of
2: officers that do care. I know some officers have a bad reputation, sometimes um, deservedly so, but what I've always been really struck uh, by over the years of doing the work with One Small Thing and the trauma training that we've done so much of together, Zoe, it's sort of luckily for me and my organisation it brings the sort of best officers towards us in a way and Zoe can you say actually a little bit about that because I met you when you first came into the service didn't I and you were quite new in and then we kind of like crossed paths with the training Um, and can you say what sort of
3: impact the training had why were you interested in it yeah it was quite an interesting story when I look back about how I got involved with one small thing I'd come back from training and and back then it was a six-week initial training where you're trained at cat B male prisons you know the only experience um, on training I had working with women was we had a 15-minute session where There was four of us women, so we quickly did a rub-down search on each other. That was the only training you got
2: in order to go into a job as an officer in a female prison. I hope the listeners are really listening to this, because that is appalling. Carry on.
3: Yeah, so it was horrendous. So, and even so, on the last day, the custodial manager went round the room and we all had our names in front of us with the prisons we were going to. So she was giving antidotes of all those prisons that she had been saying at and saying, oh, um, oh, this is, this person's there, that person's there. And then she got to me and she went, female estate. I went, yeah. She went, good luck, miss. You're going to need it. And that was it. Wow. So um, off I totalled, all proud, red-eyed from crying from passing my training because I was really proud of myself. Um, went back to the prison and was told to forget everything that I'd learnt on training, forget it all. It was a waste of time. I'd learn it as I went. And actually working alongside some brilliant officers... And then some officers that had been suffering, well, what I learned to be as time went on as burnout and had really become exhausted um, with the job. So I so I sort of think that at the beginning, I was quite rigid. I think if some of the women you spoke to about me said they would probably say I was quite stern at the beginning, um, trying to fit in with my colleagues, being quite strict with IEPs and ca- like carrying them around and making sure that If um, people were wearing sliders or not where they should be, they got a written warning from me. It was exhausting. I thought, this is really not what I'm about. Um, And I got pulled into an office with a governor who offered me a position on the team for um, being trauma informed. um, An opportunity to learn what it's about, really. So I um, went away and did a bit of reading, absolutely fell in love with it. So what I'd signed up for. And I thought, why wasn't this on the initial training? Learning that at relatively you were still new, relatively going into um, the prisons. So then I spent quite a bit of time with Steve and going through the process and talking with yourself. and Absolutely fell in love with the model.
2: Yeah, and I remember being really struck by what you said back then. You said, you know, I came into the service because I want to work with people and I want to um, help make a difference in people's lives. And this is the golden thread that was kind of missing. Um And I've always sort of held that quite close because, you know, I obviously go through weeks and months where you think, oh, is it all worth it? And are we reaching enough staff? Are we making enough of a difference? But yeah, if the sort of trauma and gender work and the training can be that sort of golden thread that runs through the service or the female estate or the male estate or the children's estate, then whoever wants to grab hold of that rope can. There'll be lots of people who don't want to for all the reasons that you said, whether they're just sort of done with a job, they're suffering burnout, they just don't want to know, quite frankly. Um, But at least there's something there for people to grab onto if if they want. Because Nadia, from your point of view, I guess the mood of the officer and how able they are to do their job well really matters to you guys on a day-to-day basis, right?
4: If they may be in trauma-informed, if they made that as part of the training then maybe the ones that do want to help, maybe they'll be less burnt out because then in a sense, the workload, it'd be shared because if, if you have, if you have an officer that, you know, they're, they're, they're known for not really being very nice. They're known for not, you know, wanting to talk to you or, or they, they, give you negative IEPs every five minutes. So you, you generally, you won't go to those officers. You'll go to the officers that actually know how to listen to you. So obviously with those officers, everybody goes to them. And that's, I'm guessing that's why they become burnt out because the workload's not shared out. It's, it's, it's up to certain individuals that have taken the time to be trauma-informed or to understand human nature. It's all piled on them. And then all the all the good officers end up leaving. And then you're left with the ones that don't really care. Right.
2: I learned through the training over the years that often people will suffer burnout when they're being asked to operate against their moral code. And certainly I felt, Zoe, early on, um, having met you, it seemed like you'd just done your training you come in you were like whoa well, hold on a minute I wanted more than this and so you wanted to do more and have more of a positive impact on people right and it seemed to me from the outside that you know you'd suddenly realized
3: that maybe that was just going to be very difficult. Yeah most definitely I remember being new in and being in an office and speaking about pro-social modeling because they hammer that home on training You know, and I remember talking about that in an office with a CM and an officer who had been in service for a long time. You know, they were sort of the old boys club, as it's called. So they'd been around and they absolutely, the word I can only use was annihilated. They ridiculed me and humiliated me in an office full of staff. That I just walked out in tears. They were just saying things that were unkind, referring to the women in our care as cretins and to forget all of that. They were just paying our wages um, and things. And it it absolutely destroyed me because I thought, this is not what I've signed up for. I didn't leave my family for six weeks to go away and experience this training to come back and work with people with this really negative mindset. So, yeah, it became overwhelming actually pretty early on and pretty apparent that I was going to come across a lot of people that had a different standard and a different view of working with women, actually.
2: Mm. How does it work with officers? Do you get to choose whether you want to go into the female estate or the male estate?
3: So you never used to. You used to apply for the prison service as a whole and get sent somewhere. Then they changed it so you applied for a cluster and now you apply singly. So now officers get a chance to apply for the prison that they want to go and work at. But there's still no... Difference in um, recruitment with regards to male or female estate or um, suitability for the job. There's no face to face interviews or anything like that. Literally do role play maths and English questionnaires. Yeah, and that and that's it. They need numbers, so that's enough to get somebody in.
2: Yeah, and it's a shame, isn't it? Because you know those who feel very proud to wear the uniform and to be part of the prison service. It's um, It's a shame, really, isn't it, that there's always some people who bring it down in that sense. Nadia, you're now out of prison, and what does life hold for you now? Do you feel that your time in prison... I'm struggling to say, was it time well spent? Because I can imagine what you'd say, that you would have rather have not been there. But what does life hold for you now? We're sort of coming up to Christmas again this year in 2020. And what does life hold for you now?
4: Well, I think I was very lucky. I was very lucky because I had, even though the start of my sentence wasn't great, but over time, you know, I got a lot of support off, you know, the mental health in reach. I had therapy, um, you know, I had uh, certain officers that I I trusted and I could go to for advice and you know even some of them helped me with um, courses and stuff like that so I managed to get all of the education say like the GCSE level education so I can go on to do say a college course now so in a way it is time probably well spent because I'm a completely different person and I don't think I would be the person that I am today if I didn't do that prison sentence I'm very independent you know I have I have achievable goals my fam I'm a lot closer with my family you know these are all things that I didn't have you know before my prison sentence but I understand that a lot a lot of people haven't had what I've had from the prison system like, like I said, I I just think that I'm just
2: lucky. A lot of the time in life, you make your own luck as well, don't you? And you strike me as someone who's sort of able to get things done and lean in and take opportunities. Uh, you strike me as that type of person. And Zoe, will you be thinking about the prison service this
3: Christmas? Will you be thinking about women in prison? Oh gosh, most definitely. You know, one of my bug birds at the moment is on Twitter seeing about family not getting cards and letters or not asking for them to be sent because they're being photocopied. I think that the women in custody, especially the women I worked with, are in my thoughts pretty much every single day. And if I could um, go back tomorrow and have the guarantee that I would be supported in working in a trauma-informed and trauma-responsive way, I would have had a really long and happy career in the prison service. And I feel that that has been taken from me and my family. So, yeah, very much think about think about those women.
2: Yeah. Well, I will be too. This, this year, it's been the longest time that I have spent out of a prison. In February, it'll be a year since I've been inside a prison. And I, too, miss it in, in a strange way. And I know lots of people will be listening and will think... God, you're mad, women. Um, but you know, I love the work that I do, and I particularly love being inside the prisons. I love being with the women and I, and the men, um, and I love being with good officers. Uh, and especially ones like you Zoe who are massive flag wavers for our work at one small thing and (laughs) and the trauma work but you know it's also great to see that people are picking up on the uh, why it's important to understand trauma why it's important for the women in prison and the men in prison that officers and staff who are there to ultimately care for their well-being actually understand what's going on in their lives and maybe why people are behaving the way that they are. But really, I want to say thank you so much to both of you. Nadia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, we haven't met before, so I really appreciate that. Zoe, great to see you again. And I hope you both have a really, really happy Christmas.
3: Thank you, Angie. Links relevant to this episode can be found in the pod notes below. If you enjoyed listening, we would love it if you would subscribe. Also, rate, review, and best of all, share this episode. Justice is produced for one small thing by the London Podcast Company.
5: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.
1: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
5: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.